Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Peterson's strobe tuners are quite literally the best tuners in the world. Available in the form of the Stomp HD pedal, the Strobo Clip Clip-On, and even an iOS and Android-supported strobe tuning app. The Strobo Stomp HD comes in an incredibly high-quality standard effects pedal size chassis with an absolutely whopping LCD screen size and user-defined variable colour display, featuring over a hundred exclusive sweetened tunings designed to help correct inherent tuning issues exhibited by many instruments. And the guided tunings mode, my favourite, displays numeric string values instead of traditional note names, making for surefire, intuitive and rapid retuning to any number of open and alternative tunings. Peterson tuners make tuning accuracy simple and definite. It's probably the most important part of your pedal board, so why go for anything other than the best? Check them out at petersontuners.com. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I'm your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Naomi McLeod. Good evening. And Matt Knight. Good evening. Yes, exactly. And welcome, welcome, dear listener, to Season 2, Episode 16, the 16th episode in our series of guitar nerdery. Year 2021 continues to be quite light for news and new releases. A couple of things, but not really not really a lot going on. I tell you what, gear of the year is going to be easy this year. Because they're really, unless we have a massive, do you think we're just going to have a, 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 you know, a, a ton of stuff come out right at the end of the year. Hmm. Difficult to say. I think, um, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I think we've talked about a lot this year. I mean, you know, it's, diff- it's definitely different. I don't think there's probably going to be any summer nam. Haven't really heard any rumblings of it. I heard a few people say that, you know, if it happens, they're not going to go. Um, mm. But I don't think brands can slow down for much longer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we get to the end of the year and a, and a bunch more stuff sort of starts happening. Um, especially, I guess, as we gear up to NAM next year, which I'm assuming may happen. Um, yeah, yeah. But well, I think I've already booked a hotel. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty scary to think that we're about to enter May, like the fifth month of the year. I sort of was talking mm. to uh, a few colleagues today. I was like, what? What? Did we do anything like January, January to, to April? Um, but yeah, I, th- I think there'll be a surprising amount of stuff by the time we get to the end of the year. 
Yeah, I yes. agree. I think a rush, a rush towards autumn winter when hopefully uh, the live industry begins to sort of globally open back up. I think, like you said, Matt, many brands have sort of just been on their heels a little on the back foot, maybe just putting off potentially planned big releases. And um, that can only go on for so long, I hope. Yeah, of course. I mean, I guess the lack of kind of retail shops where people can try things out, that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. I'd say like the lack of shows, but shows are so much more like a a marketing exercise or like an influencer thing. At least Mm -hmm. I feel like they are. But then, you know, I'm sort of in that category. So, you know, I guess, you know, you'd accidentally feel like that. But I, I kind of... I kind of feel like there isn't really much difference when it comes to the amount of promotion you put behind something. If anything, people are more glued to their computer screens, which is where the bulk of the promotion for new products is going to happen now. So I'm surprised at, at the amount that it slowed down. Um, but, you know, yes, I guess that being able to physically play musical instruments really should be the, the crux of it. And that's, that's Yeah, I also think there's probably a lot of um, things that probably can't, you know, we we can't see you know in terms of production in terms of visible guitars yeah in in terms of visible guitars but no stuff that like might slow companies down um sure i I think there's just so much going on but actually i think maybe a chance for brands to take a breather um because you know by the looks of it from, from what i see in the facebook groups that i'm in for work you know people are playing now more than ever at home so i think there's just a big a big boost on that now. I mean, the amount of people who have gone, I've got time to learn to play an instrument. I think that's the hard thing. You know, a lot of people have gone, uh, oh, now I've got some free time. I I might learn to play the guitar where all the people who are like, I play guitar for a living are like, it's the one thing I can't do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit of a role reversal. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, even for, even for me, like, you know, so much more time at home, like time to do more music, but you know, the people that I speak to out there playing gigs, you know, I spoke to one person who I know who at the beginning of last year had 129 gigs booked with Hungary's biggest pop star. Uh, it was literally like a stadium tour across Eastern Europe and, uh, you know, it was all all cancelled. You know, it's, it's just mad. But yeah, and people who have now got loads of free time, are like, oh, I play drums, I'll play piano. Guitar, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, didn't didn't uh, I, I'm not sure about yourself, Matt, but I know Joe. Weren't you saying recent on a recent episode how um, you've kind of had the time to to learn a ton about recording that you um, kind of didn't necessarily um, have the have the time and means to do before? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's kind of that's it's it's always kind of uh, uh, you know push and pull. It's always mm, compromise, isn't it? We, we, we've lost all these. I've lost all the the drunken weeks of of touring and all of all of that sort of crazy stuff but in place of it having the time at home to sort of sit down and actually having time where I'm not just moving from you know work to I don't know to a pub to a gig you know yeah. to a tour to like to someone's birthday celebrations to a a, a holiday with friends so like you know you're always doing all those things and it's been lovely to just have that downtime and be like yes I'm gonna teach myself because when this all started 
I couldn't use Studio One. I didn't. I didn't really know my way around a DAW. I mean, I could edit the podcast, but that was about it. I, you know, I used Adobe Audition to edit the podcast, which is, you know, one of the. It's not really a. That's not really a platform even designed for music. So it was something totally foreign to me. So to go from that at the start of lockdown to to having mastered, having sort of co-produced and mastered two records with my band this year and, you know, hosted, you know, along with Matt, the uh, home recording guide where we're imparting knowledge to people is as basic and rudimentary as a lot of that stuff is. I really feel like that's been, that's been kind of a, the wonderful thing um, about, about lockdown is just yeah. the time to learn skills. I actually feel like my playing has come on this year more than it has, uh, you know, I don't know, in like a decade. I feel like I've, um, uh, you know, you sort of, you, your playing's always kind of, that you, you get stuck and then all of a sudden something happens and then you're, you're past that and you feel like you're, you're, um, you're excelling and you're, you're learning new things quickly. Um, I kind of felt felt like I did that this year and reached a, a point where probably for the first time in my life, I'm actually happy with my playing ability. You know, before it's very self-conscious about it. One of the main reasons that Guitar Nerds doesn't do YouTube videos is that I'd have to do the playing and I'm really not, you know, not haven't been okay with that. But now I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Fine. You know, I'm never going to be Rabia, but also... I flipping hate that sort of guitar work. So, you know, I'm I'm totally fine with the with the with the way that I play for the first time. Yeah. Thank you. Coronavirus. Well, no, actually that's let's not go that far. But you know, the lockdown has uh, has definitely allowed us to learn new things. That's yeah. awesome. And like that's huge what you're saying in terms of kind of confidence in your own playing. The only other thing I was going to add was like the the wonderful thing about sort of learning the the ropes of recording as well is like however technology is advancing and will continue to advance like the fundamentals are always going to remain um the same in that sense in terms of kind of performing and and laying down a recording of of what you're doing. So I yeah. think the fact that you've um uh, the fact that you've ended up sort of using using the time so well, both in learning and in sharing your learning experience with with the listeners, is is really something. Yeah. Oh, thanks, mate. Thank you very much. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess kind of on kind of that the line of 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 sitting at home and wanting to do music stuff and not having an outlet for it. This week, I decided to do a great big A being of every guitar I own to work out. What's the best guitar? And you know what I discovered? <laughs> I don't, don't own it. that many guitars. I, I've I've kind of got rid of them all over the last little while. Like, do you, like Matt, it was only like two years ago. I owned like four different Stratocasters. And yeah. I re- most of my stuff's basses now. There's probably 20 basses here, but I was going through my guitars and I was like, oh, there's seven or eight here and two of three Three of them are just loan stock, you know. But hmm. well, yeah, I guess some of it was Harlequin, or maybe you did own it. I don't know. Yeah, I've always known both. you as more of a. I've always known you as more of a bass a bass person than mm. a um, than a guitar person. But you have got some fantastic guitars, though. Well, it's because I early on hemorrhaged an awful lot of money on a Gibson Custom Shop ES one seven five, and. That was I was kind of like, well, this is so good that I don't need anything else ever. But um, you know, 
I'd also like to buy a flat at some point. So I've put that in a flight case and put it away so that I can separate myself from it so that I won't <laughs> feel attached to it when I sell it to pay for a deposit. So it's a, it's a confirmed asset in, <laughs> yes, exactly. in your life. Yeah. You can sell it to me though, Joe. Yeah, yeah, sure, Matt. You can't afford it, Matt. It's really expensive. It was like five grand. When yeah, it was I'd always love a 175 though. Oh, it's it's so good. It's such a fantastic guitar. Um, yeah, I I just think that they're they're more versatile than you think. And obviously, if you think back to um, you know, you think back to the early ones, you know, ni- late nineteen fifties, they had the same pickups as fifty nine Les Pauls. Yeah. You know, had those PAF yeah. pickups, had um, you know, a huge range of sounds in them. Um, and I mean, is it? Chris Squire from Yes, whoever who played in Yes, player. was he the bass player? Yeah, I can't remember. The guitar player played a one seven five. You know, in that in that band, which you think you wouldn't necessarily think. You always no. think of them as jazzers, but I don't. I, I think that they can be so much more than that. Um, but yeah, I've always always wanted a one a one seven five. I think they're just fantastic guitars, and like I say, you know, really versatile too. My big uh, my big problem with the ES one seven five is that I um, I was learning to I was doing this like little gig thing um, with with my partner Emma and the ES one seven five was like being set up and so the practice there are only a couple of practices for it but I did it with a different guitar a solid body and I had my board set up on a, a Line six Helix and for some of it I was using the Helix as bass pedals as well because you, you know you can set it up to fire sort of synth notes and then you can set each pedal to be a different note so you can That's kind cool. of use use it like an like an organ pedal board and you can use That's the effect properly you can yeah oh yes super cool yeah really cool like a four note generation thing so you can make them chords or just sort of straight notes and then use the snapshot modes to be able to kind of you know switch one on and the others off kind yeah, of thing yeah yeah so you can awesome. set those, you know, obviously you probably want to still be able to navigate out of that patch easily. So mm-hmm. so you might set your top four to be your other patches and your bottom four to be those those four notes, which is kind of what I did. And it, it was great. You know, you can use like the tremolo, a little bit of reverb, get some really nice organ sounds from them. And I was using that because it was just a guitar and a drum machine. I was using the my feet to play the bass lines and accompany me. Great, fantastic. Came to actually doing the performance, used the ES-175. Oh, my God, could it not deal with the amount of bass coming through that organ? And the whole thing was just vibrating off of me. Like, I could barely, (laughs) like, it was, I thought the guitar was going to shake itself apart, but it kind of almost ruined a lot of it because I ended up having to be like, I'm just not, I'm just going to have to stop using it because the guitar was just fully feeding back every time I was using the organ notes. But uh, Put a T-shirt in it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember uh, Jack White um, played something uh, hollowbody for a little while, just a- around the time that um, the like Seven Nation Army was being played literally everywhere. He was playing a hollowbody, which had strung up with a with a bass string on the on the low end, so he could play that bass line. And I think the rest of them were conventional guitar strings. And uh, he was playing a big jazz box guitar that he'd filled with clay in order to. 
kind of oh, keep, it, keep it dead. Or, you know, clay, something like that, Play-Doh. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was like a... Play-Doh. He, he had solidified yeah. it. Literally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which was, I, I, at the time, I thought incredibly cool. But, uh, but yeah. So the ES-175 didn't actually even win it for me in my sort of my A being, my test of everything. Um, but I had, at the moment, I've got two... Two lovely Eldritch guitars from podcast, friend of the podcast, Dave Lee. I've got his Stealthy Squire, which we've talked about a fair bit. And that lovely pink Mustang with the Lace Sensor, Matt, that you were a big fan of. Yes. Um, great pickup for the Lace Sensor. Like really, really strong effort. Really good. Fan fret, though, I couldn't, I wasn't really up for that. I have such fan frets. Are, I think they are good for people with correct technique. I do a lot of, uh, of you know anchoring my thumb round and using that for the low two strings and it, you just can't do that effectively with a with a fanfare it becomes very awkward um and then i've got a tokai a 1985 love rock a very nice great kind guitar. Of really good guitar but honestly the pickups are outrageous like outrageous you couldn't clean up this guitar if you tried it sounds driven on the boss katana acoustic setting like you oh know, it's, uh, it's they are the loudest most aggressive pickups i've ever heard so this love rock of, is hot yeah so i love the guitar it looks fantastic and everything that i want a les paul style guitar to look like but i find that when i pick it up to play i'm like i'll just play this unplugged you know it's uh it's just too wild too wild for me and then uh, and then courtesy of jay cross there's an american professional jazz master um, one of the new ones in the uh, that awful finish, the finish that I hate, that I could barely barely get around. The uh, is, it, is it called Dark Knight? The weird blue. Oh yeah. Black oh, Mystic Knight, wasn't it? Is no, it? I think oh, it is called yeah. Dark Knight. I'm pretty sure it's Dark Knight. It, yeah, there's. Is a, it the like uh, opposite burst? Yeah, it's the opposite burst, bursting from blue to black, which you know is not a traditional color. So all, already it's wrong, but. Um, but, you know, it is a fantastic sounding guitar. Jazz masters do sound great. I just, I can't help. I know it's not the case, but those sorts of necks feel cheap to me. Like, I know they're not. I know it's a very premium guitar. Um, hopefully Jay won't listen to this podcast. But when you take, <laughs> when you take like a vintage gloss looking neck and you make it satin, that feels like an encore. And so when you put it on an 1800 pound instrument, I just, I just can't, I can't get around it. I can't support that. Just make it gloss so that it's like a proper jazz master. Jazz masters should have gloss necks. That's how they were made. But it was a very good sounding and very versatile guitar. A fantastic all rounder. Maybe a better all rounder than a Strat. Really, the the American Pro Jazz Master. I was very impressed with it. It was definitely cool, but the finish for me couldn't quite get it and of course i've got another much better looking offset which is the harmony silhouette and of course i've got two harmonies the harmony silhouette and the juno and to be honest i know predictably because i've, I've of course had my tongue well and truly up harmony's bumhole for some time but uh it, <laughs> but it uh, it came down to the silhouette and the juno and uh um i had i just love i love the the neck on the juno and those gold foil P90s. I know every now and again, me and Matt just end up doing like a 10 minutes of a podcast being like, such a good guitar. 
but it really is such a good guitar. I mean, obviously, I love the look of this silhouette more. It's the cool offset. It's in that lovely kind of midnight blue finish. Um, what do they call it? Slate. Oh, what a great name. Great colour name. But it's, it's lovely. It's fantastic. You know, probably if I was playing live, I'd take the silhouette. But the Juno for recording, just that solid rosewood neck. It's deeper, more rounded, the neck. I love the 3x3 headstock. And just those gold foil P90s. I keep coming back to them. They are the best all-rounder guitar I have ever played. Um, I thoroughly recommend checking them out. It looks like Anderton's are big fans of them at the moment as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not to... We shouldn't turn this into another 10-minute uh harmony <laughs> rant. but um I, I just love it it's just a great guitar it's a i must admit i i had it I, I plugged it in yesterday and it definitely when you use a lot of gain it definitely has that kind of like um sort of mid-range honk to it um which is kind of cool it's kind of unique maybe some people wouldn't dig it but i mean for the clean stuff it yeah it just has a vibe it has a, it has a feel um that I think's great. Don't mind the small body. Plays really, really well. Definitely time to put some new strings on mine. But um, really, the best guitar you can buy for around a grand, I think, my opinion. Yeah, I'm not going to help here at all because I love it too. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. huge fan. They are very, very good. I can't wait to see this um, the the range expand as it's as you know they've announced that it that it will be. Um, into this kind of vintage spec and more modern spec thing almost you know to dealing with things i guess fender sort of do do that well i guess they do do that with american vintage and oh no what's american is american vintage the current name was it american original i can i can't keep up with i think it's fender. american original vintage yeah. feels like the old one yeah that's right and uh and obviously they're they're modern professionals and players and stuff i guess Harmony are going for a similar thing. Now they're going to be doing vintage-inspired and more modern ones. But oh, I'm very excited about them going down that, you know, the vintage-inspired thing and maybe looking at... Because the, the, these are all inspired by the original Harmony models, but they've got lots of modern, uh, you know, appointments. I'd be, I'd be excited to see some of the weirder sort of Sears catalogue things that Harmony have done in the past turning up on 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 new guitars you know that would be great yeah. absolutely i dream of a harmony bass line as well <sighs> Ooh. wouldn't it be good wasn't it a, was did they do a harmony silhouette bass many many moons ago or am i imagining things they they did yeah um i think i've seen a few pop up on reverb and yeah it was because it was the bobcat um, and I've seen, yes, I've seen a couple. Um, I've seen a couple pop up all over the place. It's tricky, isn't it? Because Kay did such a solid job of ripping off Harmony, or mm -hmm. you know, not really ripping, you know, making the same models of, as, as Harmony around that time. That I'm never, I'm never a hundred percent sure who released what <laughs> back, uh, you know, back in the in the kind of sixties. But mm -hmm. I reckon a, a Juno bass would be cool. Oh, I, a Juno baritone. That's that. what I want. That Please would be harmony. So cool. Make me a Juno with a baritone neck. That's what I want. Mm, yeah. That sounds good. I keep thinking about the pocket bass, about whether I should get the pocket bass. Eastwood have remade the pocket bass, the bass that Bob Dylan used on countless records and said was the best bass for recording. It's called the pocket bass because it's something like a 27-inch scale. Like it's it's the smallest uh framed bass, but it sounds fantastic, and Eastwood do currently make a reissue of uh, of that. Amazing. Um, 
Yeah. Ooh, we'd love to try one. Yeah, it's just, it's like, it's like 800 quid and it's kind of like, I would love this, but also I'm never going to play it outside of my room and it's 800 pounds. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know if I have 800 pounds lying around for something that I'm not going to gig immediately. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, Matt Knight, you uh, you bought something new. You bought a new pedal, surprisingly, just unlike you this uh, this this week. New, new slash old. Um, So I I go through phases of like just constantly scouring eBay, Um, and uh, yeah, just. This this popped up and I was like, hmm. I, I'll put it in my watch list and it was a it was a cheap price. I was like, I put it in my watch list and if it's gone, then it's gone. But otherwise, maybe I'm tempted. And it was a modded Line Six DL4. So obviously DL4, possibly one of the greatest delay pedals of all time. Um, you know, it's been going since two thousand. Maybe even earlier than that. Maybe 1999 was the first one. Um, wow. In fact, I'm pretty sure it is 1999 because when we did Gear of the... I don't know, when we did Gear of the Decade, obviously it was 2000. I can't remember if we did a Gear of two, Best of 2000s. But yeah, DL4 is pretty pretty damn old. Um, and in more recent years, there's been a few companies that have taken it under their wing to do modifications the first of which is replace the foot switches the later models are notorious for kind of um breaky breaky foot switches i think um with a lot of hard stamping um and then there's a few other things like people have added like an expression knob on the top and stuff like that because obviously the line 6 dl4 had uh, or the whole four series had a really fantastic expression system where you could set you know really easily put the expression pedal in the heel position set some settings push it forward to the toe position set some other settings and it would sweep between the two super super simple um and people want to do that in real time um and then yeah this one came up with one of the mods that i definitely think opens up the unit should have been something that they did from the beginning or something they should definitely do now but as we know the dl4 is famed for its fantastic looper mode um obviously with people like dave nudson from minus the bear doing all his fantastic little looper tricks uh the problem is you have to have the looper or you have to have it in delay mode and then you've got your three presets and a tap tempo um you know if you want to change it to the looper normally you have to actually flick the type switch to looper and it's in the loop mode this actually adds a foot switch on the top that then switches it between the looper mode and the delay mode um so you can use it as a delay pedal or you can use it as a loop pedal um and i kind of bought it because i like the looper function on it it's only like 12 seconds um but the half speed uh half speed reverse double speed thing is all really really good and um i was thinking about our pedal board build off joe at some point yeah and um i was like i was like oh right yeah maybe i'll i'll have that on on my board a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Um, so, yeah, I bought a, a modded Line 60 L4 and uh, it arrived today. We yet to plug it in, but hopefully... Oh. Hopefully sometime this week I'll, I'll give it a blast. But um, it has got, unfortunately, as I much as I hate to say it, that kind of vintage digital delay sound. Um, it's, it still <laughs> it, um, it still stands up today, I think, compared to so many other units. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think it's it's just fantastic. It's got a great, uh, just a great sound in it, um, and I'm sure. Well, one record I am a real fan of is the first Coldplay record. Um, it's, <laughs> it's 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 um. <laughs> Joe, come on! It's not that bad. <laughs> Uh, sorry, carry on. It's um, there's some, <laughs> just some fantastic guitar playing on that record. Some really good guitar sounds, and uh-huh. um, they used Line Six DL4 all over it. And that's one of the first times I remember it being used. Um, Recognisably, wow! Yeah. I yeah, yeah, yeah. There's loads of guitar sounds on that that are, are really quite clearly taken from the DL4. I guess um, he's quite edge esque in his playing style. The the fella, I don't know. Yeah, a little, a little bit, I guess. But yeah, it just, um, I just think it's always been a, a great pedal. I mean, I've had a couple before, and then obviously, you know, just sort of sold it and swapped it for something else. And I was like, no, hmm. you know, a modded one at that price. I think you can buy them new now for like 179 quid which is an amazing price for for that pedal i think it's a fantastic bit of kit our friends at isotope have just made their portable recording solution the spire studio even better and the best part is that you can try out the app and recording platform for spire completely free download the ios app for your phone or tablet today by following links in the description of this podcast and make sketching down your song ideas incredibly easy and intuitive without the spire you won't have the mic or preamp but you'll still have access to the software and effects that can polish your demo recordings more more than you probably thought possible. The second generation Spire Studio ups the stakes by offering ultra low noise preamps that offer smooth, quieter recording and increased storage capacity. There's also Spire Pro, an optional subscription service accessed via the iOS app and personalized soundtrack feature that listens and learns from your voice and environment. Check them out at isotope.com. Yeah. Do, do, Naomi, do you ever use because it's available as part of the HX um, uh, Stomp um, uh, effects, isn't it? It's the the actual DL four is what they call simple delay, I think. Yes, it is. Um, yes, I have used it. I've not worked it into any of my patches though, just yet because I'm still I'm still enjoying my 
Electroharmonics Canyon quite a bit. Ah, I've got see. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess as it's the as it's the HX stomp, you're still outsourcing a lot of those other effects. Yes, only only really because I've been trying to just kind of get into the habit of um, continuing to kind of effects loop some stuff, um, and because I kind of I'm really familiar i suppose with the with the canyon at this point it's been it's been what i've what i've liked to use um and i've also stuck the um ditto in same effects loop um but then i'm probably not the best person to talk to about signal flow because um i am little miss trial and error when it comes to (laughs) building my chain but i have no i have used the i've used a simple delay sort of just on its own um and on its own with with drive and i've yeah i mean sonically i've always been a huge fan of the of the dl4 and um you know any sort of records or performances I've seen it on. I know, I know. The fir- my first kind of experience of it was tons of local bands in the sort of DIY scene um, oh, yeah. that I kind of grew up with. Sort of the Adabisi Shanks and those sort of bands from the sort of more slightly mathy scene in Dublin um, were rocking multiple DL4s on stage. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah huge that whole fan. scene was uh, all all DL4. Exactly, yeah. Like mid-2000s up to well into the 2010s when, you know, the DL4 was beginning to be more sought after secondhand than, than new, just um, just because people were, as you say, kind of starting to starting to put mods back out on the market. I, uh, my earliest memory of the DL4, or my favourite memory of the DL4, was uh, back when uh, my, my band went on tour with uh, Black Peaks, when Black Peaks were... Uh, were called were known as Shrine, and we were. It was a very small tour, and we were playing at the edge of the wedge in uh, Portsmouth, which is kind of like the cloakroom uh, next to the Wedgwood rooms in uh, in Portsmouth. So it's this tiny venue where you play in the in the corner of the room. It's part of the Wedgwood rooms, but like <laughs> you know, it makes the yeah, having that name attached makes it sound like the gig's great. But you are playing in a very very small room, mm-hmm. and I was standing at the front there watching Joe, their guitarist, play, and he hit to his DL4 to sample in this thing, and there is just this crunch, and the buttons sort of popped off out and rolled onto the floor in front of oh god like everyone in the audience and the the pedal was just going the the sound from his guitar was then going because it had looped something in and he now had no way of stopping it so it was just like sample and holding yeah nice which was uh, which was great, but uh, yes, it it definitely needs to be upgraded. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt and Naomi, what do you think? Like uh, favorite digital delays? Then, like, I mean, are they, you know, are they even things that you care about, Naomi? Like, I, I I'd find it difficult to choose a digital delay because I don't use them that much. Maybe the Canyon. I actually think that's lots of fun. Yeah, I mean, I've. <laughs> Honestly, my main personal experience of digital delay has just been messing around with the Boss DDs over the years, kind of have had borrowed ones and messed with them. I mean, obviously, it's not a hugely fundamental effect for bass for a lot of players. Um, So it's never been, you know, kind of the it's never been a priority point, I suppose, on my board. Um, But I feel like the Canyon sonically has probably given me the closest to sort of a a versatile canvas for digital delay yeah 
Yeah, just I think having things like those octaving, those pitching up delays alongside like reverse and kind of shimmer and those are kind of the ones i seem to go for yeah exactly and you've got all of that alongside all the functional standard stuff yes it's just a very very good very versatile um unit yeah yeah exactly I, i i certainly feel like my delay needs uh in the context of bass are are quite simple um and probably you know the basic artsy delays probably <laughs> probably uh, tick my list, I would say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What about you, Matt? Well, well, um, if we're talking ones that you can't buy anymore, um, I always remember when we did our thing, uh, I think you were there, Joe, when we did the boss event at the House of Vans with uh, This Will Destroy it. You. You did? Yes. I can't remember if you... Oh, you were there the same night, actually, when This Will Destroy You played. And then we interviewed them, I think, before. And the main guy was like, Boss DD20. Like, Mm. all the way. He's like, the secret post-rock is the Boss DD20. Um, (laughs) And he said their entire band sound is basically built off that one pedal. Um, And I I used to have one. I, I think it's this fantastic and versatile and does some ridiculous it's got 23 seconds of delay time i don't think I'm, a, any delay pedal you can buy now has 23 seconds of delay time um <laughs> and and that that was cool it had a load of great function i thought it was really good um i mean i love my um dd3 i just think you know simple easy sounds good does exactly what it says on the tin kind of thing mm-hmm. um but also, what else is out there sort of now? I'm trying to think. I mean, I've just had a D... Yeah, I've had a DD2 on my board for ages now. It's the thing that I keep going to. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think what else is out there that I've kind There's of gone... out there. Oh, really? Pink Panther, JHS Pink Panther's a strong one. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not sure. It, it's, it's a good one if you want, you know, that sort of digital delay sound. It's not like it does lots of things. It's not. Yeah, a, you it's, know, it's weird. A, a lot of the delay pedals that just keep popping up in my mind are um, analog because so mm. many people have just gone on. Oh, I mean, I think there's been a lot of talk recently about um, Strymon timeline. You know, is it still the is it still relevant? You know, like. 10 years on or whatever where there's so much has changed um and i still think it certainly has a sound to it um unlike you know a lot of other units again it just has a mm. warmth and a clarity to it um i don't know really i, I i'm trying to think of something that i'm trying to look i've just i've kind of snuck onto a web page just going what is there that i'd go <laughs> you've got to buy you've got to buy this um, yeah, I still think the the timeline sonically is absolutely beautiful, mm. and I think I think if you're after that kind of studio level digital delay, it's um, it, it's yeah, it's I think it remains well yeah, I think it remains a really strong choice, but not all of us want that that pristine a level <coughs> of effect, and That's... also it's always beg sorry man, uh, it's it's all also always beg the beg the question for me, you know how how much of this is gonna really come through the 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 mix in a gig um yeah in, ter- in yeah. terms of uh, in terms of effects being that pristine but then i'm you know i'm i'm personally probably more a fan of the the grit and the grunge and and the fuzz so well yeah exactly i just i love analog delays for anything where mm. i want a normal 
if I want a delay sound to be a straight up delay sound, I'm always going to choose kind of the warmth and the character that you mm-hmm. get with analog delays. Mm-hmm. If I want something to do something crazy, obviously you've got to go for a digital delay. And I yeah. think that's why kind of a, when it comes to digital delays, the ones that are more expressive and more fun and more soundscape, you're always going to be my favourites. Things like, like the KMA audio machine Cirrus, which I, you know, spent a long, lot of last year banging on about. And they actually yeah. gave me a special one with a with a little back plate with my name on it, which is very nice of them. But um, oh, nice! But yeah, that, that I mean, that's wonderful. It's a delay and a reverb, but it's also, I guess, the or if the downside of the Sirius, if there was a downside to the Sirius, I think it's one, you know one of the best pedals out there. Is you can't really be normal with it. I guess where the Canyon, you've got access to all that crazy stuff. But if you want to just get a little bit of slapback, you can. Mm-hmm. The Sirius, I think, you'd struggle to kind of wind it in because it's so expressive and crazy and does characteristic. Weird yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry, um, Matt. I think I cut across you. Oh yeah, there. sorry, sorry. No, no, no it's fine. I, it just gave me a bit more time to look. So I'm, I'm just sort of like <laughs> on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of looking at it now, and I've just put like all delay pedals by by price, and it's interesting because there's so many pedals out there that are like they have a character. Like it's quite often when when I think of digital delay, I think of like clean, pristine, repeat. But obviously, so many digital delays out there model older more analog units mm-hmm. or do something a little bit weirder um than your kind of normal i mean i still think well actually there's a couple here the walrus audio uh d1 from their mako series um you know i've seen a lot of people talk about that you've then got things like the specular tempest from gfi systems you know kind of really sort of out there sort of full-on um Oh, and here's a good one that I just suddenly, that I think is a hidden gem. The Boss TE2 Terra Echo. Um, oh, it is great. It is it, very which good. Which is, re- every time I plug one in, I'm like, oh, there's so many cool sounds in here because it's like a, it uses a technology we called MDP, multi-dimensional processing that like layers different sounds and types and, and adjusts multiple things depending on the, the frequency and how hard you hit the strings and stuff. So you get these kind of like cool like like lasers and sounds and like all this like pinging of different delay times in the background. And the best example on the internet is Andy uh, from Reverb who when he was doing Pro Guitar Shop did a hmm. did a Subterranean Homesick Alien by Radiohead and just played that and it's just like, yep, yep. That's, that is a great sound. Absolutely fantastic sound. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, sorry, I've started flicking through. <laughs> no, I, feel like, I feel like we all... Are. I'll tell you what, the, yeah. other thing, the other thing we haven't really talked about, maybe we should try and get hold of some, but um, these universal audio um, delay... Um, do they do a delay and modulation and a reverb? The Astra, the Starlight, and... Yeah. Uh, the golden, I think the golden's their reverb, the Astra's their modulation, the Starlight's their delay. Um, I think the only thing for me is they're lacking MIDI. I don't think you can do MIDI on no, them, you which cannot. is a shame. But I think otherwise, I've seen a lot of people demo them. I think they sound really good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They seem to they seem to sound fantastic. Whilst they're a little simple and maybe missing a couple of mod cons that you would expect from a brand like UA, who are kind of you know spearheading 
product advancement. Um, it does sound like when it comes to just straight up audio quality, pretty good. Um, so it would be good to get hold of those. A, a, a digital delay I've been spending an awful lot of time on at the moment is the 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 glitch delay, which was a new um, a new delay introduced onto the Helix on um, on the update before last. I think three point zero or or whatever it was but it's like um the glitch delay gives you like so you've got your kind of standard controls but then you can also divide your delay slice the feedback shuffle that pitch that reverse it drift the sequence smooth those drifts and then create a couple of intervals as well as like some low and high cuts to kind of deal with some of the crazier artifacts that end up on there you get some real sort of real subby low end depending on how crazy you have everything but really interesting like a a kind of delay that sounds like nothing else it's really got its own vibe and sound an awful lot of fun for just creating weird noises to be honest, so did you know? Did you read that initial description, or is this actually how you speak off the cuff? That, that, that was that was just was the, that just straight out the brain? That was yeah. uh, no, it's just really impressive. That's I, all. Oh, I, I spent yeah. I spent a lot of today with the glitch delay. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, <so laughs> <right>. It shows. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I've I've not yet tried it, uh, but oh, it's, it it's very yeah, cool. I'm a huge fan of anything like that. I don't know if you've used like many sort of glitch plugins in your time, but um I've I've always been a fan of getting, you know, really cheap uh plugins or um, you know, things sort of like sound toys where it's like super artistic sort of uh, glitch effects. Um I always find them a really, really good tool for composing actually, if you're stuck on something. Yeah. Um That's, yeah. and are having one of those days where playing any more than three or four notes is a struggle um any sort of glitch effects can often be a good tool i think to get your get your brain in motion yeah fun for creating something kind of rhythmic that you can then you know exactly. play to or work something yeah. else out to I, i'm a big fan of those rhythmic delays i mean matt you you and i were speaking on on last week's home recording guide even i, I played a sample of um a, a delay a similar sort of type of cascading delay um that that featured on this part of the Studio One plugins, but um, yeah, yeah, I uh, think um, there's just there's just so much out there. I mean, using even things like the mood, you know, the Chase Bliss mood can really help you break out of a bit of a your rock because it always just does something different. But everything it it's designed and tuned in a way that it always sounds musical, um, yeah. which I think is you know is always good. You can just sort of roll with it and and see what happens i think um and the interesting thing about that is you know especially if you're into recording music is it's difficult to recreate that a second time round you know you've kind of got to mm-hmm. capture it in the moment and uh and go and go from there really yeah yeah absolutely um we said we would we would answer some questions from uh the guitar nerds facebook group to listener you should check that group out if you're not already on there facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum is it forum oh, oh my brain 
Uh, it probably yes, is, it is forum. It? I'm looking it at it here. forum, of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why I give the I don't know why I give the URL out. It's not like anyone's going, oh, what is it forward slash? What is it HTTPS? You just like <laughs> guitar nodes into Facebook and it comes up. It's it's fine, but you know. But yes, anyway, we did say we'd take some questions from the group, and we had some excellent questions there. So let's uh, let's start them off with David. Nagele, Nagele, Nagele. Nagel, Nagel. David Nagel says, "What are some of your guys' favourite hidden gems on the second-hand market? I love old American-made PV amps. I think that they're pretty underrated, and you can get them for quite cheap." Naomi, what do you think? Um. I am going to say old, really dodgy body shapes, like cheaply made sort of explorers, um, old squires, like, I don't know, are you guys familiar with the Flying V that Squire made? Um, or not, the fen- oh, not the Katana. The, yes, the Katana. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. Although was... I doubt you'd find one cheap on the second hand market now. I think that's no, the, yeah, just they've... to Yeah, I was gonna say just to quickly jump in, I think the problem is is everyone's an expert these days. The internet yes. has ruined uh finding anything <laughs> good at a cheap price. Grant okay, right. Granted granted in the case of the katana, I haven't looked looked at them recently, but I mean within the last I mean kind of five, six years, I've I've seen them pass by and I've seen them go for cheap. Um the same with like Fender Rascal. I mean, yeah, you know what? I think I think my hidden gems are quote unquote uh, bad choices that bigger brands have made. If that oh, makes sense. Oh, I like yeah. that. So things that Fender have delved into once and then left aside forever. <laughs> those sort of yeah, those sort of models are um, are what I what I live and die for. I'm an awful window shopper though. Like I feel like I take. Um, I take too long to make choices and very often um very often weird weird models kind of slip through my hands for that very reason but um, oh, yeah I, I think it's so easy to kind of miss them by there was kind of a, a point in time about 10 years ago where Squire just seemed to be making at, like loads of different signature model bases and some of them were great but they just didn't last very long yeah, exactly. Um, and like another another example, which I know they did do recently, but you can get the original models is the Epiphone Explorer base um, with a Karina body. That is one that I've that had my cool. eye on for a while. Um, that was and they, cool. Yeah, and they go for not that much. I think kind of between sort of three to 500, you could pick one up for. Yeah. So I'm hoping to get my hands on one within the year. But ah. uh, yeah, my, my choice would be um, a little bit like when I go uh, vintage shopping for anything, I suppose, furniture or clothes, just the, the weird and wacky is my, um, is my preference always. That's right. I guess it's good to be able to find those. Uh, if you want to get something weird, it's often easier to find a kind of, an affordable, now discontinued, weird thing on the second-hand market than, you know, than if that thing was released new. That's it. I yeah, guess. that's it. And I think I think th- something in my thinking kind of favours the the forgotten model as opposed to the much sought after, everyone vying for this pristine item type thing. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. If that makes sense. 
Yes. Matt Knight, what about you? I don't think it's any good asking me because <laughs> everything that I want, everyone else also wants. So, yeah. hidden gems. Um, no, but in the past, and, and I keep looking, but I, I keep not buying at the moment just because I don't have the space, is <laughs> is uh, old, um, kind of like... Not even since, just like weird sound modules or anything that was just like you. You talk there, Naomi, about stuff that brands tried, and yes. then sort of like just did it for a little while. I'm like, I'm a sucker for that. Things like stuff that Roland did in like mm-hmm. the eighties that wasn't really like our first foray into like digital sound models in like 1991. I'm like, hmm, maybe I need this 16 bit sound module for my studio. And it's like, I absolutely do not need any, any more of that sort of stuff, but there is some good <laughs> stuff out there. Um, I think rack gear is coming back, but I think there's definitely a point where you can get some good stuff um for not a lot and it's always worth just looking out because some things are picking up in price um but you can definitely get some cool stuff out there and i think if you're just looking to like have a play around with some stuff um and you don't want to spend a lot of money like rack is a good way to do it because you know it was massive you know 30 years ago and it sort of died a death to the point where no one was even considering like we're going to make a pedal version and a rack version you know, so you can you can get some stuff out, some good stuff out there, especially if you want to make some unique sounds or if you're recording and you you want some stuff for outboard gear. Um, it's definitely worth having a look out there. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think the problem is everyone's an expert. You know, yeah. gone are the days where, you know, dear old grandma would uh, pull down all the stuff that her son had left at the house 30 years ago and out pops a you know 1959 les paul that he picked up secondhand in the 70s um because people just google it and go oh right actually i think this is worth a lot of money um you know going to a car boot sound and finding a you know vintage rolling drum machine that's now worth five grand for 50 quid um and i think that's that's in in some ways the shame because things like ebay people know what stuff is worth and also people are willing to pay crazy prices for things if you want something people are willing to pay that pay that price you know lay that dollar on the table um you see it from all like the scalping you know that's going on with like limited edition pedal releases you know if you look at Mm -hmm. stuff like um well the bliss the chase bliss this factory was literally going for double the money after it sold out you know i think um that's that's the thing it's so difficult to find stuff so i think you're right Naomi. i think sometimes you have to have the niche uh in a particular set of gear um mm-hmm. that no one else wants to touch <laughs> yeah well yeah. i i see it as for someone who normally isn't very positive at all i like to think of it as seeing the potential as opposed to as opposed to kind of um you know, brushing off um, the the less favoured model because you're only thinking of reselling. I mean, any anything I buy, I don't. I'm not always thinking of um, of resale. I'm usually thinking of how can I make this my tool and get the best music out of it that I can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of kind of really frustrating price inflation, one 
it's it's barely on the secondhand market because it's only a 2018 model. But I think I've talked before about the limited edition, just Ibanez Talman. It was like a TMB30 that um, was on the market in 2018. They did a turquoise sparkle, which I'm sure you would have loved, Joe. Um, short scale Ibanez Talman. Uh, they play fantastically. It was something like $299, I think. And any of them that pop up now are going for like £650. Um and it's like this this literally is three years old. Like has it become <laughs> this inflated in three years? So yeah, like you're saying with with Chase Bliss and pedal releases, it um yeah, it's a wild market indeed. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um I think it you know, for for me, and I kind of uh, agree I agree with you, Matt, about the you know, the fact that everyone's an expert, but there are still things that even though people know what they are. They aren't necessarily popular. And whilst they're definitely increasing in price, the Fender Music Master bass um, for me is something you can still, which just seems like incredible value for money to me. Um, you know, the, uh, I picked I picked up mine for £400, admittedly wrecked, and then worked on it from there. But you can get them really for around £800, to 900 pounds for a good condition fender music master bass and you think the you know you're getting a you're getting a 70s fender for less than a a thousand pounds i think that's fantastic i mean we know that the pickups are you know there's no interpretation of it the pickups are awful because it's a strat pickup in a bass so you're definitely going to have to swap that out but as as far as actually getting an incredible sort of super cool incredibly vibey vintage fender for not a lot of money there's nothing else like it out there and they always seem to pop up they definitely get going up in price but you know i I keep thinking like uh, i should really start trying to get as many of these as possible because they're sort of like you know i just did a little reverb search and the there are two available in the same finish that I've got mine, and they're very good condition, but they're both sort of thirteen hundred quid, which is a you know is it's 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 getting up in price, but it I certainly think- is. Yeah, only a few years ago, I remember these going for sort of four or five hundred euro, which yeah. um yeah, they're they're on the up for sure. Mm. I think um, one thing I, I was actually talking to um, my dad about bizarrely is he's into collecting cars um but he's in his 70s and he's like the stuff that people my age what want is stuff from the you know like the 30s and the 40s and the 50s like the cars they looked up to when he was a kid but he's like people now like cars from the 80s like are, are going for insane money because people get to like our age and then they're like oh i've now got some disposable income and uh you know that there becomes an increased demand for that so i actually think that now is the time to start buying the good stuff that's coming out you know in the last five years because that's the stuff they're going to be the hidden gems of the in the next 20 years yeah because people playing now are going to be like oh i could never afford that american vintage strat and in 20 years time they're going to be like oh yeah amazing i mean look at it's going to be the valentines it's going to be the dk24s think about american standard strats from 20 years ago going for as much as you could buy them new 20 years ago like they've literally (laughs) like you know they're a thousand pounds you know they've almost never lost any money it's insane yeah yeah no you're absolutely right 
it's definitely a weird market at the moment. We're running out of hidden gems. I mean, I do think PV's a good shout, as uh, um, as David pointed out. You know, PV do some great stuff that tends to be, that can be super affordable. Um and you can get good ones. A brand that I love that are really like, I guess the other thing you've got to do is find a brand that are really out of favour at the moment. And a brand that I think of sort of waned in relevance at the moment is Heartkey. And, oh, uh, yeah. And they make absolutely. some absolutely fantastic stuff. And if you mm-hmm. if you shop around now, you can pick up a Heartkey Kilo, which was their 1,000-watt head. Um, like valve preamped head with normal tone controls. I think it had a built-in limiter and uh, then a graphic EQ. I mean, it sounded absolutely monstrous. You can pick those up for like 450 quid now on, on the second-hand market, which is fantastic. It's, it's just because they're not like, they're not really ahead of the game at the moment. They're not making the, the products that that are exciting people right now. But some of that old gear, absolutely fantastic. The uh, the old AK cabs by Hartkey they they were they were some of my favourite they were cotton wool lined just like the old vintage Ampeg ones like some real attention to detail on actually making those cabs and they were shallow like vintage cabs as well so they had a real real kind of vintage tone to them really sort of mid focused they were very cool and they're now discontinued unfortunately that's that's maybe not a good example because you never see them secondhand I think people that have got them are keeping hold of them mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's a tricky game, I would say. Um, I think even things like old Blues Juniors or Pro Juniors, like the American-made ones, like as soon as people, two or three people use them, or as soon as someone famous uses them, it's like, that isn't a hidden gem anymore. No, no, exactly. Exactly. Well, um, that, that pretty much brings us up to time on this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. We're going to be continuing over on our Patreon special, where we're going to be answering a bunch of of extra questions from our group. Um, yeah, we've got some, yeah, some some other good questions to answer. We're going to talk about those. I don't know, we might even talk about this new Eventide pedal as well. But you can join us over there, dear listener, for as little as a dollar a month. Patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. One dollar gets you this episode ad-free and early every week. Five dollars gets you access to our Patreon special episodes and our entire back catalogue. And the, the ten dollar tier, you get all of those things. Plus I sing a pretty flipping fantastic song. My songs this this year have been absolutely brilliant. There's often a rap. You'll love that. And, you know, your name gets included in it. So, you know, there you go, dear listener. All all that for $10 a month. You can find us on your favourite social media platforms and join the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook to get involved in our weekly episode discussion. Thanks for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell. Bye-bye. Bye. Love 50s cute, so unique Now go and buy the plugin from the plugin of the week 
gift on earth coming in your ears Listen to us day and night and drink a bunch of beers We got Matt Knight and Jay Cross too Packing even shows up when he's got nothing to do We got JD and Naomi McLeod But I am the best one cause I'm sexy, drunk and loud But we couldn't do this podcast without you Yeah, everything a podcast host could ever want is true Simpson, Eric Vaughn, John Conway, Jonathan Hafferty, James Thor, Paul Drew, Russell Healing, Yogi, the guitarist, Ty Allen, Carl Harris, Cloud Lifter, Todd Sons, Sean Hughes, Joe Hoffert, Brian Hanson, Shane, American, Gamma, Jeffrey Wax, Samuel Frost, Brian Isaac, Evan Mandolin, and Adam Manley, Robert Butter, what's got out in Mark Kazow, Cataracta, Simon, Aaron Vaughn, Stuart Robinson, Christian Run, Hanson, Keith Adams, Michael McClay, Eric Cloud, Ryan McDermott, Jay Kappa, Larry Peters, Joe Potter, Ken Sayers, Abe Matthews, Kentucky of the Band, Sean Arbo, John Ivan, Ernie Cooper, Ross Edwards, Nate Nago, Stephen Bolt, Dave Lee, Jay Gray, Scott Kennedy, Blake Wyland, Christopher Lawson, Hans Hans, Barry Quinch, Katie Schultz, Steve Burke, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Madam Skate, Scanabra, and Paul Corrigan, Moo Gravit! 